welcome to Untold Physio Stories podcast, your perfect commute resource with physio failures, successes, interesting cases, and more from the physio and rehab world with your host, Drs. Andrew Rothschild and Urson Religioso. Topical analgesics help patients alleviate pain and reduce discomfort. I recommend and use Helix Professional Pain Relief Creams with my patients. Helix has three new creams they've added to their line of topical analgesics. Joining their pain relieving cream is Triactive Therapy Cream, CBD Therapy, and CBD Clinical Creams. My patients have been raving about these creams, and that's why I'm offering you an opportunity to try these in your practice. Email my exclusive promo code MMT2 to helix at helix4, the number four, pain.com to receive samples of these new professional pain relief creams and find a medical supply distributor near you. You'll get a starter kit with several samples, patient information brochures, and it's a great way to help patients and grow your practice. Welcome back to Untold Physio Stories Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. E, with Modern Manual Therapy, Edge Mobility System, and our four-month online mentoring program, Modern Rehab Mastery. And my co-host is? Dr. Andrew Rothschild with Modern Patient Education. How's it going today, Andrew? Good, Erson. How are you? Good. All yes. right. So Andrew has a case for us today, I think. <laughs> I do. One of my, one of my classic, eh, not going great cases. <laughs> Right. Well, we haven't had one of those in a while. I think uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a failure um, because this, yeah. this type of case um, in particular is a very difficult case anyway. Yeah. So you want to talk about it? Sure. I mean, it's one of those, uh, if you've ever Henzi courses, um, you learn about uh, lateral shifting, uh, usually a sign of a discogenic issue. And usually the, 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 the classic lateral shift is a contralateral lateral shift, meaning that the, the, the person is the shoulders are moving away from the uh, symptomatic side so if it was like a right lateral shift the shoulders are you know shifted to the right but the symptoms are on the left and then you have the ipsilateral lateral shift which usually so they're shifted towards the same side and that usually is indicative of a negative prognosis um, from a recovery standpoint and 16 years of practice, I had yet to really see a ipsilateral lateral shift until just over the past couple months. Um, and this is actually a nurse who works at a, a primary care office, you know, we, we do see a lot of patients from. And she came in and even in the beginning, it wasn't, it was a very, very slight shift. You know, it was, it was one of those ones where you're like, yeah, is it or isn't it? And if it's not like a hard yes or no, I kind of go to just ask sort of incidental kind of findings. And she was, she had, you know, referred pain into the right leg. Um, she had no hard neuroscience. She had a positive slump test, positive straight leg raise, but no loss of strength, no loss of sensation, no loss of reflexes, no bowel bladder issues, you know, symptoms produced with flexion, um, reduced or not, you know, sent sort of localized with extension, but it actually didn't, was way more uncomfortable with doing extension type movements. But she responded really well to side glides and, you know, saw her for a few weeks and it was getting better and better. We were starting to reintroduce flexion. She had a, has a newborn, you know, a few, only, only, only a few months old, um, was having trouble bending over, picking him up, you know, putting him in the crib. These kinds of things were working on bending, working on lifting. Kind of more of a hinge 
still emphasizing really a, a good hinge technique just because she still was flexion sensitive. Um, and she was really making a lot of progress in the first, you know, three or four weeks. I was only seeing her like once a week. And then she had a relapse. I can't remember exactly what brought that on, but then she came back in and she was like significantly more shifted still ipsilaterally. And she was still was doing better with side glides and she was trying to do them as much as she could during, during the work day. But for the last couple times that I saw her, it really wasn't making much of a difference. I mean, she was getting some better active flexion mobility before onset of symptoms, but overall function hadn't really changed that much. Still getting some leg symptoms. Cyglides did help reduce and localize those leg symptoms, but it was still kind of just, you know, just staying. The baseline wasn't improving anymore uh, to where it previously was. And she was supposed to get an x-ray, I think, last week, so I didn't see her. And I'm supposed to see her tomorrow at the time of this recording, but uh, I saw a note that her doctor wanted to hold on therapy, uh, so I don't know what the, the next plan is. I was going to send her a text message and just check in and see what was going on. But it's one of those ones, you know, I was very optimistic about it and then became less optimistic when uh, it, it started to seem like it wasn't uh, changing much. And so it was ipsilateral, lateral shifts. You know, I'm not, because I really haven't seen one before, it was one of those questions is like, what do you, what do you do? Do you refer out? You know, again, with the absence of hard neuroscience, is this, is this because, is this like a surgical consult? Is it an injection potentially? Um, e, I know you have more, some more experience with these. So I'm, I'm interested in get your thoughts on this as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good that she doesn't have hard neuroscience, but traditionally the reason why an ipsilateral lateral shift is so difficult is because in order to correct the shift, you have to shift away. So right. if you're shifting away and it is a disc issue and not some sort of weird instability like the the past two that I have seen, even though one of them actually did have neuroscience. Um, and that was the one where I accidentally, accidentally fixed them with the lateral chain arm pull. Um, the, the more you shift away to correct the shift, the more the disc may protrude, which is typically why you said, I, I forget exactly how you worded it, but I would have said poor outcomes, <laughs> even yeah. worse than what you said. Historically, you know, I would say McKenzie faculty are very optimistic when it comes to uh, mechanically and repeatedly loading lumbar patients, uh, obviously, but uh, they acknowledge that this is a normally a very, very difficult and they are usually poor outcomes, especially if it's discogenic. Um, with that being said, you know, it's even it, it's even rare that it would be an ipsilateral shift that would improve with the side glides because if she has right leg, even if it's referred and not ridiculous, if she has right referred complaints, she shifted to the right. You would think that if it's if it is discogenic and she shifts to the left, it would actually make it worse unless she just needs lots of opening, right? Right. So it, but the thing is, flexion flexion doesn't make her better. So obviously, she doesn't necessarily need bilateral opening. She only needed like unilateral opening. Um, did you try, you know, giving her like, or doing the LCAP or, you know, giving her a kettlebell to carry to straighten her out or anything like that? No, we hadn't even I gotten to that. Um, cause when I, when I had talked to you, um, while recording another podcast, um, 
I didn't get to see her for that next appointment because she had uh, she she was getting an X-ray during that time. So that I, I haven't seen her since then. Just to make uh, sure she still had a spine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I think I think it's still intact. Yeah, okay. but it's one of those things, like you said, like doing the opposite. You you have to shift them opposite. And I did when she had that relapse. I did go with the I did test the opposite side shift. You know, and that actually exacerbated her symptoms. Mm-hmm. So shifting, shifting. You mean to correct the shift or shifting into the shift? Shifting to correct the shift. Oh, and that worsened her symptoms. And that worsened her symptoms. That's why shifting, like doing a side glide into the into her ipsilateral side, is the only movement that actually reduced her symptoms. You mean, you mean increasing the shift? Yes. <laughs> even talking about yes. Even talking about it is actually confusing. Yes, no, that, that's exactly right. Like doing the opposite direction. That's the thing. So she was a right. I'm trying to remember what side it was now. But like let, we'll, we'll use right because that's what we've been talking about. If she was a right-sided shift, like shifting her to the left actually would worse, would, would peripheralize and worsen her symptoms. Okay. So that, yeah, see, and this exact, is what- exact, Exaggerating the direction she was shifted is what actually reduced her symptoms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and- that could be seen potentially from maybe like a slacking standpoint, you know, yeah. like maybe slacking irritated muscles. Um, but yeah, that, that would, um, I mean, that, that's what makes it so difficult. And the funny thing is it's like, she's already shifted that way. You know what I mean? But obviously she's right. not shifted to end range. Cause you said it was, you said it was, um, subtle, but you know, the problem solving I would take it next is non weight bearing prolonged positions because weight bearing is typically what you want to do for a shift, but if they can't handle weight bearing, you you want to do some sort of either, you know, think of like either prone roadkill position or lumbar rotation and sustained. Like if you can, whether it's gapping or whether it's, whether it's loading, you might want to sustain it for, you know, five or six minutes or maybe like even needle that side in sideline to try and calm it down while while they're gapped or while before you gap them or before you load them you know something like combining techniques but sustained is one of those things that everyone always forgets about and once you find a position of relief there might be one of those things where again you put on relaxing music and you turn the lights down leave her in the eval room uh, play some calm or something and put her in that position for maybe you know 20 to 30 minutes or something and just give her a bell to ring check up on her like every five to 10 minutes because sustained is kind of the thing during a flare-up that everyone forgets about. I actually did remember to do that. No. (laughs) I did. Having had recently taught your course just a month or so prior, it was fresh in my mind. And no go, huh? I did do that because she had kind of like, you know, she did what she was sort of an extension responder, although it aggravated things. Um, way more than side uh, side glide, and that also made it worse. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, but I did do that, right? I mean, and, and the other thing with a newborn too. I mean, it's lucky that it's a newborn because anything, you know, even older, six, eight months or something, you can work on as many hip hinges as you want. But I mean, as soon as they lower that, you know, like the the newborn height of a crib to like halfway down, and then like toddler like all the way down you can't you you can't hip hinge anymore no, you, can't. Can't. you, you know flex, like it's yeah. impossible like you have to flex and if they're flex yeah. sensitive that is really difficult it's actually pretty easy to hinge when the when the newborn is at like the top before they can roll you know right 
But there's also so many other things going on there too. I think of like sleepless nights or just the stress of what it's like for a relationship to have a newborn and, you know, like what is, what like a week of sleepless nights can do to your job the next day and, you know, anything, or even if she's nursing, I find like nursing mothers or even bottle feeding, they just sit for so long and they stare at their baby and they're often like side bent and rotated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because no, like no one ever sits up like perfectly straight, whether you're nursing or bottle feeding, you're always kind of like crooked over and, you know, is that, does that feed into it? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, is also with little kids is, is, um, you know, you, you try to do like everything you do is you, you're, you're cooking or you're writing or you're something, but you're also holding your baby in one, in one arm. Um, usually your non-dominant arm, so you can actually use your dominant arm, but then that offsets your weight. So you always have to like stick your hip out, you know what I mean? So you're right. also shifting that way too. So I always think about all these things mostly because I'm kind of a pro at having kids and I've seen you are. All, these, all these things either irritate me or irritate my wife or, you know, just intuitively, I realize that like you, you definitely have a, an extra lack of variability and high levels of stress and poor sleep um, at the, for that, those, that first year or so. Absolutely. I mean, for those who don't know, between the two of us, we have like, we average four kids each. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I have, but I have one actual kid. Yes. Yes. And I think we might have uh, four dogs between us too. Do you have two dogs? I, well, I'm down dog? to one, but we might be getting another one very soon. Oh man. One dog is lonely. Well, that's why, that's why we're, we've had one now for a little over a year now. And then so yeah. now we're thinking about getting a, actually maybe this weekend, a second one. Oh man! Don't if you look at puppies? It's hard not to take a puppy home. Oh, it is. And this is a small dog that we don't want a puppy. Okay. All right. Well, you want one, but you don't want one. I know for sure. Yeah, I know. Just like having a baby again. Right. <laughs> Except for you don't have to like. I mean, hey, you know what? What I could always say is, if any of you guys are planning on getting a puppy, don't get a puppy in the winter because you know whatever. Changing a baby's diaper in the winter is not so bad, but walking a dog in the middle of the night in the winter is terrible. Especially a buck winter yes for sure all right andrew well if you have an update on this case let us know we mostly wanted to to talk about how difficult um ipsilateral lateral shifts are and you know if you guys are confused maybe we'll draw it out or something in the, in the show notes because <laughs> I, I think we accomplished our goal yeah yeah for sure yeah this is a uh, one confusing case with no talk. resolution inside. yes yes uh, more confusing with audio only yes all right. Well, if you guys have any interesting cases, make sure to reach out to Andrew or I on social media, uh, email us through the site and uh, get on Untitled Physio Stories and make sure to rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. Untold Physio Stories is now sponsored by MyPT Insurance. Insurance just got easier. Through continued research, MyPT Insurance has crafted a policy that is economical and provides you with the peace of mind you need. Your extensive education, training, and experience as a PT allows you to assist clients in achieving their personal health goals. By practicing without individual professional liability insurance, you could be placing your career and future finances at risk. Whether you're a student, self-employed, or employed with a company, MyPT Insurance is here to provide affordable insurance coverage while protecting you and your patients. My PT Insurance's plan also includes mobile coverage, which means it follows you wherever you work in the United States. 
Employed rates and self-employed rates are available. Visit myptinsurance.com edge to sign up today.